Botox Cosmetic, out of botulinum toxin A, FDA approved for over 20 years. So, talk to your specialist to see if Botox Cosmetic is right for you. For full prescribing information, including boxed warning, visit BotoxCosmetic.com or call 877-351-0300. Remember to ask for Botox Cosmetic by name. To see for yourself and learn more, visit BotoxCosmetic.com. That's BotoxCosmetic.com. This is an RNZ podcast. Hello, I'm Simon Morris. The movie business is governed by many things, and there's a cottage industry in Hollywood claiming to identify them. There are books and courses on the easy way to success, how to find out what audiences want, and the universal truths of marketing. But underneath the hoopla and the targeting and the trends, there's one element without which all that expertise goes for nothing, and that's sheer dumb luck. That spell where you wanted everyone to forget the Peter Parker Spider-Man. Be careful what you wish for. We started getting some visitors from every universe. Why did the third Spider-Man film, No Way Home, rake through the roof, while other equally full-on comic book movies only did good enough? No one really knows. It was fun, it threw everything but the kitchen sink into it, but so have many films over the past year or so. I'm guessing it was simply in the right place at the right time. I've been the Gucci all my life. Your name is in the history books. Paolo. You are Gucci. You need to dress the part. It's chic. The bad news about luck is it's impossible to duplicate. Take the case of two veteran movie knights, Sir Ridley Scott and Sir Kenneth Branagh. Producer-director Sir Ridley is undeniably hard-working. Last year alone, as well as several enormous TV series, he made two hugely ambitious features. I request a duel to the death. If you lose, your wife will suffer dire consequences. One of us has lied. Let us let God decide. I really liked The Last Duel and was entertained by House of Gucci, but it didn't matter. Both failed with both audiences and many critics. When you're hot, you're hot, and when you're not, you're not. Over the way, Sir Kenneth Branagh proved undoubtedly hot with his autobiography, Belfast. If they can't understand you, and they're not listening, you know who you are, don't you? Your buddy from Belfast, where everybody knows you. And this week, Branagh's back with the long-delayed follow-up to his popular revival of an old Agatha Christie war horse. He first played Hercule Poirot in the remake of Murder on the Orient Express, which he also directed back in 2017. I see evil on this train. A passenger has died. It seems to be traditional to follow up Orient Express with Death on the Nile, which Branner duly directed. But the release date was delayed for three years by COVID. And a lot can happen in three years. Certainly enough to scupper the plans of a nice, safe sequel. I have investigated many crimes. But this... ...has altered the shape of my soul. I am Detective Hercule Poirot. And I will deliver your killer. 
Bad luck, in other words, and curiously, the producer for the rather wobbly Death on the Nile was the unlucky Sir Ridley Scott. But frankly, there's plenty of blame to go around on a less-than-classic thriller. Over the way in the B-movie section this week comes another example of a more modern formula, the Liam Neeson thriller. What kind of bad stuff do you do? Breaking and entering. Physical coercion. You name it, I've probably done it. Murder? Not on my menu. As usual, Liam has a shady job with the government. He has a unique set of skills. One day something happens to a close family member. It's a granddaughter in blacklight. Time for Liam to take out the trash. The end. Oh, my shit. Surprise! Oh, my God, what the... What are you doing here? Oh, it's good to see you, too. Why are you here? God damn, where do I begin? I no, you're you. not coming in this house. I'll beat up. That's right, what and coming in at a fraction of the cost of blacklight, let alone the overblown death on the Nile, comes Red Rocket. This film didn't rely on luck or a formula. It started with a blank sheet of paper, an intriguing idea and a question. What happens next? Well, no prizes for guessing my favourite this week. And no, it wasn't death on the Nile. The romance of the desert has the power to seduce... The old-fashioned whodunit never goes out of fashion on TV, particularly on British TV. The big-screen version, invariably based on the novels of Dame Agatha Christie, tend to be a bit more hit-and-miss. I ask you... Have you ever loved so much? They're usually presented as all-star 30s extravaganzas. That was certainly the case with Kenneth Branagh's cover version of the successful 1974 film Murder on the Orient Express. So Ken's effort was, frankly, a bit of a mess, and not just his horrible moustache, but it wasn't as bad as the follow-up. Being so possessed by jealousy... That you might kill Death on the Nile seems to follow the formula. Lots of stars, or at least name actors, an exotic locale, and Sir Kenneth hamming it up as mustachioed Belgian detective Hercule Poirot. But Branner has decided to bring the story up to date. I don't feel safe here. I don't feel safe with any of that. There are so many conflicting hates and jealousies. Oh, I like this. Well, nothing wrong with that, of course. Christie's novels were very much of their time, and times and attitudes change. But one thing Christie excelled at was plot, which usually worked like well-oiled, intricate clockwork. And murder was methodically planned. Find who did this. You are mad. You certainly don't need more plot, least of all a whole backstory of Poirot's early days that has next to nothing to do with the Nile or the death on it. Did you know, or care, that he was a Belgian war hero, or that there was a love of his life, and an actual reason for that ridiculous soup strainer on his top lip? He's only the greatest detective alive. I suspect you invited me for reasons other than the fun. You had something to hide. We have the Karnak all to ourselves, a chef and enough champagne to fill the Nile. 
All this pointless extra persiflage does is put off the story for 20 minutes, so we spend the rest of the movie sprinting to catch up. Let's meet the wedding party taking a luxury cruise on the Nile. Ladies and gentlemen, please welcome the newlyweds, Mr and Mrs Simon Doyle. You must meet Hercule Poirot. My congratulations, madame. Merci. The happy couple are played by Wonder Woman Gal Gadot, whose career took a slight dive since those heady days three years ago, and Army Hammer, whose career took a spectacular dive thanks to a scandal that erupted on social media. This may very well be his last movie for the foreseeable. When you have money, no one is ever really your friend. It's too late to change events. Also aboard is Mr. Book from the last Poirot movie, played by the charmless Tom Bateman, who I can only assume is a personal friend of Sir Ken. He's mostly on exposition duty. Ah, the bereaved. As one at every wedding party. The good Dr. Windlesham proposed to Miss Ridgway when she was still Miss Ridgway. He and the papers both had the deal as good as done. Then came the engorged stallion, and now it's Mrs. Doyle. Dr. Windlesham is the strikingly miscast comedian Russell Brand, displaying a totally expected lack of talent as an actor. Also along for the ride, the casting is random in the extreme, our former comedy team Dawn French and Jennifer Saunders. Who are our other guests? Lynette's godmother, who despises Lynette's wealth, and the godmother's nursemaid Bowers, who covets it, as does Lynette's own maid, poor old Louise. Playing Book's mother is, why not, Annette Benning, while up on stage is Sophia Okonedo as a wildly unlikely guitar-slinging cabaret star, with Letitia Wright as her pianist, manager, sax player, niece. It's all a bit vague. The only one who seems to like Lynette at all is her old schoolmate, Rosalie. She's Salome Otterbourne's niece and arranged for her to come to play for them. Now, there are usually two possible victims in a Christie novel. They're either someone universally hated, thus offering plenty of potential suspects, or someone no one has a bad word to say about, in which case it's revealed that they were all lying. Someone is dead. The crime is murder. The murderer is one of you. No sooner has the first victim been felled by an oriental poison, an antique Egyptian dagger or an unexpected shot in the dark, than Poirot starts collecting clues and the rest of us wait for someone else to get killed. Did you see or hear anything? I did not trust her. I still don't. What did you do last night? You accused me of murder. He accuses everyone of murder. It is a problem, I admit. Now, I know many people love whodunits rather more than I do, since Agatha Christie used to cheat shamelessly in her novels, suppressing information when it suited her and offering plots so intricate that only Hercule Poirot could unravel them. The best thing to do was just go along for the ride. Who really murdered them then? I don't know. I don't care. The prime failing of this film is Kenneth Branagh beefing up Poirot's character, giving him an implausible history and even a romantic interest at the expense of the actual story. I have no idea who killed the last two people, for instance. And frankly, when Poirot's moustache finally comes off, the last reason to watch Death on the Nile goes with it. Lock the doors! The murderer is here. 
and we'll stay here. I'm not even sure why I went to see Blacklight, apart from the fact that the competition was a Jennifer Lopez romantic comedy called Marry Me, featuring an online wedding in front of millions of fans. Pass, I think. Let's see what Liam Neeson's up to. One day you wake up and realise you're not sure who the good guys are anymore. They're a federal agent involved in a secret FBI program. Off the books. Once again, he's an American secret agent with a Belfast accent, this time one whose specialty is removing undercover agents from harm's way. But he's starting to have moments of doubt. He wants to spend more time with his granddaughter and less time with his FBI boss, Gabe. Grandpa! Gabe, I've been thinking. Maybe it's time I hang it up. No. Travis, not enough. Now, there are two lines you don't want to hear in a thriller. You don't want that's a bit of luck to cover any unlikely plot development. And what a guy is not sufficient characterization for the hero. To be fair, Blacklight does give Liam a bit of neurotic OCD to beef up a wafer-thin character. I know I wasn't a great father, but I'd like to be the best grandfather I can be. Natalie doesn't need a fixer like you. We meet crusading journalist Mira, who for months has been investigating the murder of a crusading politician. She meets Liam over the dead body, literally, of a would-be whistleblower, someone who had proof that there were dark forces in the FBI who were up to no good. I've been writing about the story for over a year. The United States government is killing innocent civilians under the guise of protecting democracy. After a series of coincidences, that's a bit of luck, and Liam's basic nobility of character, what a guy. It's up to Mira and Liam to try and get Gabe to hunt down the bad apples in the FBI. Under whose orders? The director of the FBI. How many more would have to die for you to stop looking the other way? You need to come clean, Gabe. But they didn't foresee the unbelievable plot twist that Gabe won't round up any FBI bad apples because, well, I won't ruin the surprise other than to hint that due to the rather meagre budget for Blacklight, there are very few FBI characters with speaking roles. You're confused about our relationship. You are my weapon. You work for me. Count me out. You show me a little gratitude if you want a normal life. And at last, that essential plot device in any Liam Neeson thriller is brought into play. Nefarious forces kidnap Liam's daughter and granddaughter on the understanding that unless he brushes their dirty doings under the carpet, he won't see his family again. Where's my family? If I find out you had anything to do with my granddaughter disappearing, you're going to need more men. And to help Liam make his mind up, various non-speaking FBI hatchet men take potshots at Liam, Mira and anyone else who might be tempted to help them. You'll be finished before the day is over. 
There are chases on foot, a little unkind to the ageing Liam, and chases in cars. These are often ridiculous. For instance, no screaming tyres are required when you're following a stolen rubbish truck travelling at about 10k an hour. There's virtually no suspense since we already know who the bad guy is and his henchmen are so bad at their job. Everything I did was for you. Are you really going to shoot me, Travis? Yes, I will. The only mystery left is why the film is called Blacklight. No light, black or otherwise, is cast on this, or on the more pressing matter of how long Liam has to keep making these identical but increasingly unnecessary films. Here's an actor who can clearly use a bit of luck. Grandpa, are you a good guy? I want to be. American director Sean Baker first came to many people's attention with a film called Tangerine, shot entirely on a cell phone. It was gripping. Baker's road movie about two Hollywood trans prostitutes hunting down an ex-boyfriend really benefited from the intimacy of such a tiny crew. (laughs) I got some good news to tell you about me and Chester. I know what it is! You're breaking up with him. Thank God! I'm going to be cheating on you like that. Wait, 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 what? You, You didn't know? Mm. Writer-director Baker seems to have a thing about outsiders. The follow-up, the brilliant Florida project with Willem Dafoe, centred on the six-year-old daughter of another prostitute. And his latest, Red Rocket, brings the action to Hard Scrabble, Texas. Mikey Saber gets off the bus with nothing to his name but the clothes he's standing up in and two black eyes. He knocks at the door of his estranged wife, Lexi, where she lives with her deadbeat mother, Lil. You said you're never going to step a foot in Texas again. I know, this is unexpected. Oh, nothing with you is unexpected. Your last job is over 17 years ago. That's quite a gap. Mikey sweet-talks Lexi into putting him up. He can sleep on the couch in front of the TV while he looks for work. Now, that might take some time. You know, I've worked almost every day for the last 17 years. I moved back in with my wife last week. Go, let's call the cops. Four, nine, really? Eight. We decided to make a run of it. I just need a place to crash for a couple of days. What's the big deal? Mikey has been living off the books now for years. He ran away from Texas with Lexi, and they ended up in Hollywood. Not Tinseltown, La La Land, Hollywood, real Hollywood, where you take whatever job is going, which often means the porn industry. Uh, Look, I'm going to be straight with you. I'm an adult film actor. Excuse me? So why are you back, Mr. Hollywood? Mikey, welcome back, dude. Lexi lasted a couple of years in the adult film business before she quit it and Mikey and went home. Mikey lasted longer but got into trouble with too many people, hence the black eyes and the trip back home. You should have called. If I would have called, you would have said no. I'm still saying no. Oh, please, come on, you know me. Damn straight idea. You know me and you know I wouldn't be literally begging if I had somewhere to go. And if you don't let me So next he has to find paying work and the only people hiring aren't exactly legal. But beggars can't be choosers, so Mikey sets off down the primrose path on a borrowed girl's bike, but always keeping an eye out for opportunity. 
I'm on top of my game right now on like every single possible level. Physical stamina, my mind is sharp. I'm taking 5 HTP for serotonin in my brain. Yeah. With my skill and ability, there's no denying what I can do. Having got this far, and I haven't even mentioned young Strawberry, who's got trouble written all over her, I suspect some of you are wondering, why should I care what happens to these unsavoury people? Well, there are two answers to that question. The first is writer-director Sean Baker. The universe is on my side, bro. Before long, it'll be like we're still married. We are still married. I'm doing this tonight. Baker has a gift, one you don't learn in courses on how to make movies that sell. He knows how to make us interested in his characters, and even rarer, to like people who, on the surface, are totally unlikable. The dog's like, oh, he's a good man, I can tell by his nice energy. Your persona non grata. Life's sweet, Sophie. Life is sweet. The other secret weapon of Red Rocket is star Simon Rex. After years trawling the underworld of Z-grade independent movies, Rex takes hold of the character of Mikey Sabre and runs with it. Even a loser can get lucky sometimes, thinks Mikey, when he runs into Strawberry. What's your name? Everybody calls me Strawberry. You're like an extraterrestrial around here. Where were you? This cute little town called None of Your Business, Texas. Hope you had a good time. Now it's time to... Strawberry may be young, but she's not naive. She sees Mikey as her ticket out of Texas, while Mikey sees Strawberry as his way back into fame and fortune. But anyone looking at this modern Bonnie and Clyde would be unwise to bet on their prospects. I think it's cool. You just said, I'm going to get paid for doing the thing I love most. And as long as you're not hurting anybody, you can you, man. I'm not afraid to fight you. I don't give a... Red Rocket is tellingly set in 2016. While Lexi and her mother watch their reality shows and Judge Judy knockoffs, sharing the TV screens is the campaigning Donald Trump. TV rubbish, low-rent smut, modern politics. What's the difference, asks Sean Baker. He sucker punched me. I would 100% out-cardio that guy. Fuck, sorry for swearing. The shit got out of control. Ironically or not, it takes a brilliant low-budget movie like Red Rocket to connect those dots more effectively than films with 50 times its budget. It's one of those films that you luck into rather than plan to see, maybe. But right now, it's one of the best things around. And on that hope that you feel lucky too, it's time to go. I'm Simon Morris, and I hope you'll join me at the movies same time next week. Botox Cosmetic, out botulinum toxin A, FDA approved for over 20 years. So, talk to your specialist to see if Botox Cosmetic is right for you. For full prescribing information, including boxed warning, visit BotoxCosmetic.com or call 877-351-0300. Remember to ask for Botox Cosmetic by name. To see for yourself and learn more, visit BotoxCosmetic.com. That's BotoxCosmetic.com.